By the way, I forgot to tell you um, the greatest fun fact about Valentine's Day. And the reason this was my favorite Valentine's Day ever. On Friday night, Valerie and I decided to have pizza. And I called our pizza place in our neighborhood. And uh, uh, the woman said, would you like to have a heart-shaped pizza? And I said, of course. <laughs> Nothing says Valentine's Day like a heart-shaped pizza. The text this morning is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Join me in prayer. God, I thank you for this word and for the words you have given me. May my words reflect your word and may they be both encouraging and challenging this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin with two ordinary people who lived extraordinary lives. The first, a widow from 1850s Sweden, one of our pietist forebears who embodied the phrase, salt of the earth. The second, a TV star of recent times, who embodied the phrase, light of the world. Both of them had a huge impact on people around them. Both of them understood the importance of being neighbor in an often ugly, cruel, and dark world. In a world full of lonely, broken, lost people, desperately needing love. Maria Nilsdotter was her name. She lived in Sweden in the 19th century. She and her friend Britta gathered women in their town to study the Bible. As they studied, they made a remarkable discovery that because of grace, they were bound to the needs of neighbor. And in this case, for them, neighbor meant lost children 
who were auctioned for farm and domestic labor, much like black slaves in early America. Listen to what Covenant Pastor Glenn Weiberg writes about Maria. Appealing in vain to town and church officials, Maria, Britta, and other women in the Bible study found many of these children, brought, bought them at auction, placed them in homes, and taught them to read and write. Their only means of support came from the circle of sisters themselves by sewing handiwork and other marketable skills. Out of this conventicle, this Bible study came a children's home, school, and Sunday school, thus laying the groundwork for what is known today as the Carl Skoga Folk High School. One of Maria's sons, Carl Johann, was converted and became an outstanding lay preacher. He also became the father of David Nibel, one of the founders and the first president of North Park College. Maria Nilsdotter became known as Maury Vall, mother of the valley. Vall being the farmstead on which she lived. Her homestead outside of Karlskoga draws, a score, draws scores of visitors each year, and all of this because Maria, a widow at the age of 40 with six children of her own, was a pietous female and troublemaker whose vision for lost children upset the status quo in town and church. Maria, a widow at the age of 40, with six children of her own. Salt of the earth. Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister who became a children's TV host and hosted the program Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for 35 years. As you probably know, there was a recent documentary about him called Won't You Be My Neighbor and a film A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood starring Tom Hanks says, Mr. Rogers. If you have not seen these films, you should see them. The movie's based on Fred's relationship with a journalist and the story of his kindness triumphing over cynicism, of his relationship with a man who'd been broken by life and who finds wholeness through his relationship with Fred. Tom Hanks, as I mentioned, the star of the movie, as Mr. Rogers, says that one of the primary reasons he decided to be in the film is that he saw a clip of Mr. Rogers greeting a young boy in a wheelchair. And he said it brought him to tears to see the way Fred's gentleness and kindness made the boy feel special and loved. In the movie, the journalist says to Mr. Rogers, you love broken people. 
like me. In 2002, a few months before his death, Mr. Rogers gave the commencement address at Dartmouth College. He summed up what he believed would be the mission going forth in this new millennium with four simple words. Make goodness attractive again. Make goodness attractive again. There are many quotes, incredible quotes from Mr. Robert Rogers. Just one, uh, one more I want to share with you. He said, imagine what neighborhoods would be like if each of us offered, as a matter of course, just one kind word to a neighbor. Fred Rogers, a children's TV host, light of the world. Jesus says in this text that you and me are salt and light. And note that he says you are, not you can be, not you should try and be, not you could be, but you are. You are salt. In the ancient world, salt was a preservative. It was used in medicines as a healing substance. It was even sometimes used as money. And of course we know that, that salt adds flavor. So Jesus is saying to us, we are called to a way of life that preserves the good in the world, that protects the needy in the world, that adds flavor and seasoning to life and makes people thirsty for God. You are light. Light that shines into the darkness in people's lives. Light that leads people towards healing, light that leads people toward Jesus and brings glory to God. Salt and light. Someone said the call of the Christian, the call for each one of us is to love people until they ask us why. Salt and light in the world. Maria and Fred, loving people for God's glory and for neighbors' good. But here's the issue. If salt stays contained within the church, it loses its influence, its flavor in the world. If light stays hidden under the bushel of the church, the world stays dark. As kingdom people, 
we are called to be salt and light, not just in here, but out there. Not just to each other, although that is important, and we do that really well in this congregation, but to the neighbor, to the stranger, to the needy, to the broken, to the lost, out there. We're hurting people need help. And lost people need to be found. Now I want to switch the metaphor because I think it will help us to understand. Evangelist Luis Palau said Christians are a lot like fertilizer. Piled up in one place, they will burn a hole in the ground beneath them. But spread out over a large field, they can do a lot of good. I want to suggest that in the church, we're pretty good at piling up, but not quite as good at spreading out. Now, don't get me wrong, both are important. In fact, we see the importance of both in Scripture. There is a rhythm in Scripture of piling up and spreading out. There is a sense in which we pile up to have the courage to spread out. We come into the church in order to be empowered to go out into the neighborhoods of our lives to be salt and light. Genesis 12 says, God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, piling up, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Spreading out. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. And in John 15, I am the vine, and you are the branches piling up. And in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples spreading out. The Apostle Paul says in the text that was read this morning, we are saved by grace through faith, one body through the cross, piling up, and you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to be salt and light, he's saying, spreading out. In the other text that was read in 1 Peter, you are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special people piling up that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Spreading out. 
The church can be like that when we remember who we are. When we remember that we are salt and light. When the people of God act like the people of God, when we understand we are salt and light in the neighborhoods of our lives, at school, at our jobs, at the gym where we go, at the Starbucks where we get our coffee, wherever we go, we help people to see God. Philip Yancey wrote that followers of Christ are visible shapes of Christ in the world. And that the only Jesus many people will ever see is the Jesus they see in us. Now I know many of us are scared by the E word, evangelism. But at its root, evangelism is really just good newsism. Good newsism is a way of life. It is to be tasty and lit up for a world stumbling in darkness. Too many of us are captive to the lie that we are not Christian enough or good enough or church-going enough or Bible-knowing enough to be claimed and used by God to be salt and light in the world. The good news is that Jesus has already opened the kingdom to everyone, regardless of who is righteous or deserving. And the good news is that with Jesus, in Jesus, through Jesus, we can be salt and light in the world. Bushel free, our lives shine with the good news of Jesus, welcoming the lost from death to life, from shame to forgiveness, from wandering in an alien land to coming home to God's own life. As Eugene Peterson writes in his translation of this text, verses 15 and 16, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. So live the tasty, lit-up life. Live the tasty, lit-up life. And that life is only made possible by Jesus. It's only made possible as we abide in him, as we understand his love for us, as we live in his grace, as we find joy in him, as we dwell in his word and in prayer. Jesus the one, is the one who keeps 
the light in us shining bright, the salt in us full of flavor, who keeps our lives tasty and lit up. A number of years ago, when we lived in the Detroit area, uh, in the middle of winter, in the middle of a winter snowstorm, there was a news report showing a yard, a, a, a construction yard full of salt, piles of salt. And for some reason, that salt was not being spread on the roads. You see, when it gets piled up, it really doesn't do folks much good out there. The other thing that was happening in Detroit in those days is that most of the streetlights didn't work. And folks were afraid to walk in their neighborhoods. See, a light that isn't lit up, that isn't shiny, doesn't do folks much good. But you and me, can be salt and light as we give ourselves to Jesus and as we allow him to live in us and work through us, to shine through us. Close with this. From Pastor John Pavlovitz, who wrote an article on why he is a Christian or as he puts it, why am I still a Christian? In too many people's minds, he says, Christianity has been identified with beliefs and behaviors that are the opposite of what Jesus lived and taught. What he says has a lot to do with the idea of being salt and light in the world. He wrote, I refuse to be a Christian who lives in fear of people who look or speak or worship differently than I do. I refuse to be a Christian who believes that God blesses America more than God so loves the world. I refuse to be a Christian who is generous with damnation and stingy with grace. I refuse to be a Christian who can't see the image of God and people of every color, every religious tradition, every sexual orientation, every race, every ethnicity. I refuse to be a Christian who sees the world in a hopeless spiral downward and can only condemn it or withdraw from it. I refuse to be a Christian devoid of the character of Jesus, his humility, his compassion, his smallness, his gentleness with people's wounds, his attention to the poor and the forgotten and the marginalized, his intolerance for religious hypocrisy, his clear expression of the love of God. I refuse to be a Christian unless it means I live as a person of hospitality, of healing, of redemption, of justice, of expectation-defying grace, of counterintuitive love. I am still a Christian, but I refuse 
to be one without Jesus. We are. Like Maria. The salt of the earth. We are like bread, God's the light of the world. Let us live into who Jesus says we are. Amen.